December. Where have you been? Well, I've been I've been hibernating. I, 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 I suppose we do owe our listeners a bit of an explanation as to why it's been such a yeah. long time between the last episode uh, of C and this episode of the A to Z of Punk, which is D. Uh, and this episode we are going to do DIY. But why have we not been around? That's a good question. Yeah, busy. Yeah, things uh, again. Life takes over sometimes, and uh, it's great to get one in just before Christmas. And uh, as our listeners know, and uh, I spoke to a couple on socials over over the last month that you know said, "Do you edit it? Do you edit what you do?" And we're like, "I don't know. We just do it live." So, so as it's Christmas, I've decided to have an alcoholic beverage during this podcast, Stuart. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the classic. The classic advocate snowball, right? Which was an old favourite of my mother's, right? So I'm, I'm having a, an advocate snowball. So realistically, where this could end up in the next 40 minutes, nobody knows, right? It's not the kind of snowball I was traditionally associating with you, but <laughs> no, no, true enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as you get as you get on in life, you know, things change and your yeah. lifestyle changes. So, um, so I. Before we go into DIY, I'd like to really sort of uh, touch on a few poignant moments that have happened since the last podcast. Uh, as we are called Dead's Not Punk, obviously we talk about a lot of people who have unfortunately passed in the last uh, few weeks. But uh, I wanted to bring up to speed that yesterday was exactly, so the 18th of December yesterday was exactly a year since Terry Hall passed. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we can remember doing the podcast and a tribute to Terry Hall. I think it was about episode three or four of the original podcast. So I just thought I'd bring that in up as we as we lead into uh, those who have passed far too soon. And the first one I'd like to talk about is Jolly from Killing Joke. Well, obviously, we've got a few connections to some of the people involved in Killing Joke. And, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shock to hear of the untimely death of uh, Kevin Walker and Geordie Walker, which I believe was on the 26th of November, um, while we were on a bit of a hiatus. So terrible, Killing Joke being a very uh, influential band. And, um, obviously, talking and about why, you mean, we have something you know, yeah, we had Mike. We had Mike on the last episode, so you can go back and hear if you want to. If you're first, if you're a if you're a virgin to the podcast, go back and listen to last the episode with Mike Coles, who did all the artwork and and formed Malicious Damage, which yeah. is the label that Kelly and Joe put their the records out on. Um, yeah, really sad. It was a great tribute in the Rock magazine um, to yeah. Jody. I think he's on the front page of it this month yeah. as well. So if you're looking for some reading material over Christmas, fuck the Radio Times, get into W.H. Smith and buy Vivla Rock. Yeah, no, good plug. Uh, in, and, uh, you're right, that cover does look great. So very, very sad to hear of the death of Jody Walker. And we'll, we'll be coming, probably be coming back to Killing Joke perhaps a little bit later in, in the series um, that we're doing. So, so a couple, what a couple, else? A couple of others. Uh, Benjamin Zephaniah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, poetry and punk was a big thing, you know, from Patty Smith to Attila the Stockbroker to people like that, right? And, yeah. uh, 
Benjamin Zephaniah was somebody that I always looked up to. And, he, you know, when he rejected the MBE or OBE from the Queen, you know, it was mm. uh, it was a great speech online if you want to go and have a look at it. It's uh, very sad, Benjamin Zephaniah. He was also in Peaky Blinders, which I didn't know as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then probably the one of the most famous, which... The, uh, give me a minute on this one, right? What probably one of the most famous people who died uh, was Shane McGowan. Mm. Uh, now, now Shane McGowan, obviously, very much the ethos of DIY as well, uh, with his fanzine bondage, which he, he did in 1977, and he was very at the heart of. Uh, I think you're bleeping, Stuart. Every time a notification comes through, there's a bleep comes up. Is it you or me? No, it's not me. Oh, bloody hell, it's me. Right, okay. It's just, it's just pacemaker. <laughs> Sorry, it's just pacemaker. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Shane McGowan, uh, one of those uh, people seen in many of the old photographs from the Roxy and stuff like that, you know, jumping around with his, uh, with his friends and his sheep. And uh, he was a bit of a character and uh, obviously went on to farm the pogs. But when I, when I sat... The, the funeral, I think, was last Friday or last Thursday, and Sky News and BBC News covered it for like four hours. They covered the whole funeral. Why did they not do that with somebody like Marquis Smith from The Fall, who is equally as much a poet as Shane McGowan? No disrespect to Shane, but the news channels and media have now set out their stall. What are we going to get when fucking Elton John passes? Oh. Six weeks of fucking news, right? I think they went over the top. However, there were some great moments in the funeral, especially Nick Cave doing Rainy Night in Soho, which is one of my favourite prog songs of all time. Hmm. And uh, before we started the pod, I think I may have mentioned this before, I went to see the Pogues. Uh, I was lucky enough to go and see them in a pub in Shots, just outside Glasgow, to 150 people. Hmm. And I was writing a book, and I stopped writing the book because the podcast sort of took over from the book. And one of the chapters in that book was having a piss with Elvis. When I walked into this bar, and I walked, it was three urinals, and I had the middle urinal, and on one side of me was Joe Strummer, and on the other side of me was Elvis Costello. Mm. And it was like, fucking hell, this gig's going to be special. And it was. And the Pogues, for five minutes of my life, were fucking the best band in the world. Mm. However, they went on and, you know, sort of... Uh, you know, for a bunch of basically what was raggle taggled gypsies, the guy was a poet. Again, Shane McGowan was a poet, and uh, and that's my tribute to Shane. Shane, massive respect. Here yeah, it's... yeah, no, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. You know, um, not as massive a Pogues fan as you, but I remember didn't Joe Strummer sing with them? He did. Yeah, there's loads yeah. of footage online of I Fought the Law and London Calling. Mm. Strummer, Strummer came on at the end and did three songs with the Pogues that night, and they were they were two of them. I can't remember what the third one was. I might even be I went to see. Up. I went to see them at the Flower in Finsbury Park. And yeah, just, yeah. That's... I'm, I'm, that was when Strummer was singing with them. You know, um, I think I'd had a few hop-based beverages <laughs> exactly, yeah. and the, and the flower. The yeah. flower is, if if any of you don't remember, the flower is a, a festival in Finsbury Park where it was just geared around alcohol abuse. Yeah, it was just a, it was like Irish uh, Irish music, and uh, I think um, the Mean Fiddler was it Vince Parrott. The Mean Fiddler sort of promoted it, and it was Guinness. It and, was, 
Everyone yeah. was hammered. It was a really good sing along there. Anyway, so yeah, R.I.P. Any any other R.I.P.s we're mentioning while we're on? Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple of others. These are these are American, and uh, so one of the first records I bought was Search and Destroy by the Dictators and Honest Dick Mantoba or whatever. Yeah. whatever. He was the main guy with the, the afro that looked like he should have been an MC5 at the time. Mm. And that's what that's what made me jump to buy the sleeve, because I remember it was a 12-inch single as well. So the guitarist Scott Kempner from The Dictators died um, in the last couple of weeks at 69. And I think The Dictators, without Scott Kempner, are doing Rebellion next year. So um, I think I've oh, seen that list. Yeah. That's I've a good big engine then, isn't it? Yeah, so I've seen that listed somewhere. And somebody that we saw, an American that we saw, at the Royal Albert Hall, when we went to this gig of a really great punk band, which I'll call them punk because to me they were always punk, the saxophone player from the Psychedelic Fuzz died, uh, yeah. Mars, Mars Williams. And uh, although I remember us being at that gig and looking around and it was full of bank managers. There was hardly any. Odd, wasn't it? It was really odd. It was, it was really odd. And to be honest, Mars overtook Richard Butler and the Butlers, you know, because, he, you know, this, there was never that much sax in the psychedelic first. There was, you know, he, mm. he, he, he was really good as a musician, but there was never, ever that much sax. And uh, a one final American, which, again, ties in with the DIY stuff, right? And uh, obviously, you know, punk is what it is and it was what it is and is what it is now, but uh, it evolved other subcultures. And one of the subcultures that evolved out of punk, which, uh, you know, McLaren was uh, responsible for, was hip-hop. And hmm. the 45 King, who released the 900 number, which is one of the greatest yeah. hip-hop records of all time, sadly passed at the age of 62. So hmm. there's your Americans. Now to bring it back in to the UK, somebody that you and I have seen so many times, is one of our heroes in music is John Lydon. And oh, yeah. every time that we see public image, the man at the side of the stage, Rambo. his manager, John yeah. Rambo Stevens. So, you know, he was a, you know, a rock to John mm. and a rock to uh, when John's wife died as well. And, uh, you know, so a wee bit of a tribute there to, to, to John uh, Rambo I don't Stevens. really know what happened there. Was Eddie been ill? He had some sort of heart attack. Oh, heart, heart attack I saw Lydon's um, sort of post on his website about it, and it did seem pretty. I mean, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, he was he was just there, wasn't he, all the time? And... Yeah, all the time. He was like, I couldn't think of a music manager that was so committed to stand yeah. with his artist at every show, and yeah. uh, and you didn't want to mess with John Rambo Stevens. You know, <laughs> I think he would, uh, you know, have. Uh, Certainly won any battle of anybody that came anywhere near him. But uh, it was a really nice tribute because he was obviously a big Arsenal fan and Gunnar, as is John Lydon. It was a really good tribute at uh, the Emirates. I nearly called it Hybrid over the weekend. And some of the fans had made a banner for him. So, you know, that that was really good. Uh, You know, so to to those who have passed, please rest in peace. And uh, let's move on, sure. So, yeah, okay, good. Gig, yeah. Gigs. So gigs, what gigs have we been to? Well, I really wanted to go to, and we talked about this in the pub one night, about our love of music and our love of 
a certain sport, which is football as well. And we yeah. never really mentioned football. And we brought it up when Kingsley was on, you know, and from benefits. He's a massive Middlesbrough fan and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And uh, I know you were away at the weekend, and I, but I really wanted to go and see Cockney Rejects. Yeah, they were, oh, that was at the 100 Club, wasn't it? Yeah, they, I think they did two nights. And I, li- I managed to live stream uh, the second night uh, from the 100 Club. And they looked amazing. They looked great. They, they mm. played really well. You know, and they they got some great merch. If you're a West Ham fan, get on and buy some Cockney rejects <laughs> yeah. merch because it, it looks it looks really good. So yeah, I I live streamed that, and then you know because you were away, and uh, and then the night before I went to see Suede. Yeah. Now Suede to me were the antichrist of what was going on in Britpop at the time. They were everything that pulp and fucking Oasis and Blur weren't right Brett Anderson has a love of Bowie and a love of um glam rock and you can hear that in the in the new album I think I've mentioned it on the pod before Auto Fiction by Suede is an album by a band who are what maybe 30 years old now but it's the best album they've ever made and they were so powerful live so if you get the chance to see them next year they're touring with the Manics so you you know don't, I'm not I, uh, I, it, I, I'm, I, I'm 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 not bigging up the manics in any way but no but, I heard Brett Anderson on the radio when that album came out it was obviously some pro- promo he was doing and they were asking him to name his you know to three or four or five tracks that he that were influenced him and the Pistols I think he even played I think he even tried to get them to play Bodies but um, right. And he was talking about how the pistols sort of, you know, were just a massive influence on him, which I think you can see a little bit of, you know, I'm not, can, you, you, fan, you, you, I get it. No, no, no. But you can see that in, in the guitar sound. The guitar sound is very Steve Jones. And talking about DIY, weren't they on nude? They were on nude. Yeah. yeah. Saul. Saul was the guy. That yeah. Went, and, uh, which was, yeah. which was an indie when it started. Didn't it? It went to. It was, Sp- it was. And, you know, a couple of other things that I went to see, you know, I went to see the Prodigy. I'm not going to talk about them, but I'm going to talk about soft play because yeah. soft play are what punk rock is all about in mm-hmm. today's world. They used to be known as slaves. Yeah. But woke culture made them change their name, I think, to mm. soft play. But it's still the same band, and uh, yeah, they really rocked uh, an audience that probably wasn't expecting a two-piece punk band to be supporting the Prodigy. But it was it was awesome. So really enjoyed that. So they yeah, were by. Did we did we go and see conflict? Before? Yeah, we did that before the last. Yeah, we went. Right. We went. We went with Nick from the Prodigy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we did go and see conflict, but that was. Um, yeah, I'm losing track of the time since yeah, we. I, th- I, I think we talked about that in um, in the last one, right? And uh, you know, so so there's our gigs. And finally, because it's the end of the year, I'm just going to mention my album of the year. You might have a different one, but my album of the year is um, is obviously Benefits. Yeah. Nails. You know, it's not, not only is it my album of the year, it's Louder Than Wars' album of the year. It's, Radio it's, 6. It's on Radio, one of Radio 6's albums of the year. It's Line of the Best Fit. It's in their albums of the year. It's in, uh, you know... Right, right across the board. So, you know, I, I'm going to mention Benefits Nails. Can't wait to hear new material. It'll be absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, the other thing, funnily enough, it, and Kingsley posted this on, on um, Instagram a couple of weeks ago, 
and it was a negative review of the album, which I thought was fucking great because the majority of times, you know, we, we work in the industry and, you know, nobody likes a negative review, but he, t- he, t- he took it on board because he knows that that album is Marmite. You're either going to love it or hate it, right? So, and we love it. And, uh, you know, so special mention to that. Um, and then we had that horrible, just a quick thing, horrible roundup of the year that Spotify does, the Spotify rap thing, you know, which goes through all your fucking guilty pleasures that you listen to all all through the year. And uh, I was proud at the top of mine. The most listened to band for me of last year was The Jam. <laughs> Where did that come from? You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember what my most. I'm trying to remember what, without looking it up, which I'm not going to do. But I'm trying to remember. I, I think I think yours was probably discharge or something. I think it was conflict. But right. I, I'm 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 going to go for my album of the year comes in two parts, part one and part two, which is Broken Britain by the Mefs. If you right. put both okay. of those together, they 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 make up an album. I mean, they're sort of EPs, aren't they? Really? But um, yeah, yeah. But I, I love the Mefs, and we we went to see him, didn't we? There's another gig we went to. But I don't know if we've yeah. mentioned that. We went to see the Mefs um, a, a few weeks ago um, in London, and, and brilliant. Noah and the Loners were on with them, who were also brilliant, are also pushing boundaries in all aspects of music and sexuality, and you know all that is brilliant. I love it. I love it. So Noah and the Loners, the Mefs. Yeah. So you said part one. So well, I'm going part two. one and part one and part two because it's like two EPs, isn't it? Really broken. Right. Up. Okay. So I'm putting those together as my sort of our. I've I've got them on my Spotify, you know, playlist together. So I listen to it all. But I love them. I think they're a brilliant band. And when you talked about Soft Place supporting the Prodigy, I could see the Mefs, who were also a two piece, you know, out there supporting some some bigger yeah, yeah. bands and they and really holding their own so yeah, well, for next year definitely of the, of the mess yeah. and no and yeah, the loners the mess is a good one to talk to nick about regarding the prodigy because they're yeah. from essex as well you know so there's a connection a yeah. local connection essex connection yeah. but, but don't they even do a cover them. version of a prodigy song when they come on <laughs> they do they start with breathe i think yeah 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 they do. so it's a, there you go. It's bound to happen. You heard it here first. So, so, yeah. So there, there you go. We don't make this up as we go along. Yes, we no. do. Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, um, what a connection there. So that led us into, you know, obviously knowing the loners and the mefs who we've talked about quite a lot. But we also like to talk about new bands and, mm. you know, the DIY ethic. Yeah. When you see the state of uh, what major labels are in at the moment, chasing every fucking TikTok style on, you know, that's made a silly dance. When there's yeah. actually when there's actually loads of scenes out there and loads of scenes within scenes and regional and stuff like that. And I'd, I'd just like to give a mention to certain acts that, you know, have, have, have floated my boat over the last, you know, year in that DIY ethos of, of punk rock. Um, so Meryl Streep, who we're going to see at the George Tavern in London yeah. on in, in February. Obviously, Meryl Streep, we've been a big supporter of uh, since the podcast started, and looking forward to hearing again some new material from him. But uh, other ones that I'd like to give a, a, an honorary mention to are the Glasgow band Kimberly Stakes, Dirtbox Dis- Dirt Disco, who yep. we saw at Rebellion, I think. Yep. Um, London punk outfit Wonk Unit. Yeah, great band. Right. Enola Gay, 
who yeah. we've also mentioned in previous podcasts, Fat Dog, and um, a band from Staffordshire called Christian Music. You really need to check out Christian Music. It is, uh, it's heavy. So be prepared to have your ears burnt. But those are some of the bands that are doing it. I'm going to chuck one in there, um, which I, which almost sort of was got as a contender for one of my albums of the year, which is Guts for Starters by Smoking Gives You Big Tits. They were from, I think they're from Bolton. Are they? They're from Man- Manchester. They're definitely oh, from the northwest. Yeah, yeah. We we we've we've mentioned them before because they played Rebellion last year. Great band, you know. Alongside, al- alongside that other band who are currently on tour with Ruts DC, Your Mum. Check yeah. them as well. Yeah. Check Your Mum out. Well, I don't mean check Your Mum out, but I mean yeah. check check the band Your Mum oh, out. Yeah, so there's the, the there's the ethos of DIY, sure, really, you know, sort of uh, in bands that are around today, you know, rather than harking back to you know sort of everything that happened from seventy six mm. to seventy nine or to eighty one. However, I did meet somebody who's coming on the podcast, and I um, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, do you remember King Cut? Destination Zululand. <laughs> I do. Destination Zululand, yeah. 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 So we've got Smeg coming on for key. So um so there you go. That'll be a bit of a uh, bit of an honour. And they're doing rebellion next year as well, King Cup. So well, I'm looking forward to rebellion next year. But I think we should talk about rebellion in, perhaps in, in a later episode because Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got some because we we we've got sort of quite a long way into this uh and we haven't we haven't really got into the so labels let's look at labels right you know okay. obviously malicious damage yeah you know, mike coles i'm going to mention his label because that was diy that was set okay. up in a squat in a squat and yeah. uh you know stuff like rough trade and even on the american side irs well they will of course not be so indie as yeah but but obviously set up by Miles Copeland, Stuart Copeland's brother from the, the police and obviously signed the police and the cramps and stuff like that. And yeah. Uh, but uh Daniel Miller, mute, uh Martin Mills, Beggars Banquet, you know, yeah. there's there's loads of great people. And, well I mean uh, I I've I've got to say on the American side of course, Discord Records you know, with Ian Mackay, Minor Threat and you know, the late later Fugazi. Of course, yeah, alternative yeah. tentacles, the Dead Kennedys, uh, Black Flag with uh, SST, Greg Ginn, and SST. Um, so, you know, they, Americans have quite a good showing for sort of really great labels that started. I mean, Discord, obviously, for me, are really up there. And then, of course, you know, Crass Records start in the UK, yeah. the Small Wonder, another indie label put out, Feeding the 5,000, but wouldn't include Reality Asylum. So Crass put it out themselves and really went DIY with Crass Records. Yeah, I mean, if, can, I, can I just give a, a bit of a caveat? If we don't mention one of your heroes here, it doesn't mean we forgot about them, but it's because we're doing it live. So, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, you're 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 you 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 not banging on, but you're going on about yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, sort of minor threat and Discord and Crash Records and stuff like that. You know, there's loads of others out there. I mean, yeah. SST, SST was responsible for Husker Do, you yeah. know, and uh, amazing bands like that. So, um, so yeah, and even the Clash wrote about these labels. 
a garage band, it. and they come from Garage Land. Yeah. You need a garage band, but also in Hitsville, UK, which was I think mm-hmm. on Sand and Easter, was written about the fact that labels like Factory and Mute and Rough Trade had started almost like you know what they had in um, Detroit and you know Chicago with these like sort of you know hubs of great music and the hubs of great music that they. Um, they delivered during a period of time when we were growing up was, you know, it was unbelievable, Stuart. The records that those uh, labels put out changed. changed It's it's interesting that you talk about sort of factory and stuff and, you know, the the factory sort of evolved on, didn't it, from the punk scene with the rise of sort of dance music. Yeah. yeah. I mean, an, an interesting thing that's come to my mind is, I remember when the uh, the raves kicked off, which were kind of DIY events in a different sort of genre, if you like, but yeah, yeah. tag teamed into into from punk. You know, a lot of punks. I mean, even Colin from Conflict put on raves, but yeah, um, yeah. I remember the Castle Morton Com- Castle Morton Common Festival with about thirty thousand people turned up, and they and after that they introduced the Gr- Criminal Justice Act with anti techno legislation, which meant that you couldn't play repetitive beats. Oh god, that was Thatcher. Yeah, that's right. And then Orteca released and the anti EP on Warp Records, another DIY label there, which had a track on it called I think it was called Flutter, and it had been programmed in such a way that there was no identical beats. So you could so you could play that track and get around the repetitive beat thing. I think they sort of famously went on to say, "Make sure you've taken your lawyer and a musicologist with you at the time." But yeah, but, that, that, but going back to that was why I mentioned the yeah. death of the the forty five king earlier on because punk let subcultures evolve. I think there's a real lack of subcultures at the moment in society, mm-hmm. and I think you know, uh, and it's exciting when you do get them, and that's why the DIY thing in punk in twenty twenty three twenty four is exciting again, right? And uh, it's making people stand up and take notice, and you know. And off the back of the bands and the labels, we had fanzine culture as well, yeah. which I think in today's world, our podcast is part of fanzine culture in today's world. Well, but... I mean, the podcasts are sort of the modern, the modern yeah. equivalent of zines, aren't they? And you know, famously, you know, you know, led by Sniffing Glue and, and Crass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's loads of fanzines to talk about, vague and you know, all of those. Vague and, yeah, and you know. But fanzines also, out of those early, you know, Stephen Glues and Vagues and, you know, things like that, um, 48 Thrills, there was even a fanzine by, that Gavin Martin did in Belfast called Alternative Ulster, which is where Stiff Little Fingers right. got, got yeah. the name for Alternative Ulster. But they all sort of developed, once punk had, you know, sort of dissolved and went off in different subcultures, the ones that kept going were the ones that involved football, right? So you got Peter Hooten from The Farm did a great fanzine called The End, which was about music and football, alternative culture and football, as did Boys Own. Boys Own was the one that led into the whole Acid House thing, but it was very much uh, born out of the alternative left-field music scene moving into to football culture as well. And then you had other ones like, you know, we talked about zigzag and Chris needs before, which was yeah. more of a more of a mainstream magazine actually. As yeah. when we, Fra- when really we great about... version of zigzag, a copy of zigzag there with the slits on the cover. I seem to remember. It was a... Yeah, yeah. Great. And then there was uh, you know 
people like a, a lot of our journalists that we that we know, a lot of the journalists that we know yeah. have you know that's where they started, and uh, you know people like James Brown who was the editor of Loaded magazine did the Leeds fanzine Attack and Bazaag, which was that's also right. a yeah. mixture yeah. of um, punk and left field music and and football culture, and then you had um, I've got to give. I mentioned three Scottish fanzines, right, that really influenced me when I was doing my fanzine. Jungle Land, which was Mike Scott's fanzine, which was basically yeah. a, a tribute to Patti Smith and Bruce Springsteen and all of that, right? Big but yeah. it was uh, his love of Bob Dylan and he, he you know, ripped and tall and a great fanzine from Greenock uh, called uh, Slow Dazzle. So, you know, fanzine culture was important. Yeah, was, it's a, you know. So I think it's really important to sort of some make a summary here about diy and punk was so influential in the explosion and the growth of it all you know and uh and we probably wouldn't be here and doing this if it wasn't wasn't for that influence and and i think it's it's great to see bands like benefits and some of the other bands that we've mentioned today picking up the mantle because it did sort of drift away you know a lot yeah. of the labels have been bought by majors and it's great to see some of these bands out there doing it for themselves. And, you know, I, I, I'm actually quite excited about music at the moment. Um, so what are we going to do? So we, so that was well, DIY. Well, but... well, well, that was DIY in, in, in 30 minutes, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's, re- it's really hard. So what yeah. I thought, seeing it's Christmas, right? And it's a bit yeah. of fun, right? And we'd have a bit of a... DJs have DJ battles, right? Where they, yeah. You know, the, the best record wins and all that, right? And... Uh, I thought to end the show, we're going to end it on a classic record, which we believe sums up DIY in, in between labels and artists. But you've got five icons of DIY. I'll start with mine. Okay. Now, now these, are, these can be debatable online or they can be debatable in the next podcast, but icons of DIY. First one I'm going to go with, it's Tony Wilson. Okay, Tony Wilson. I can't well, for Factory. Yep, Tony Wilson for Factory. And the Hacienda, I suppose. Mark yep. Perry. Mark Perry for Sniffing Glue. I'll take that yep. one. Sure. I'll come back to you with Kathleen Hanna. Oh, very good. Okay, from Bikini from Bikini Kill. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I can understand that. All right. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'm going to have to go for um, the Crass Collective. Of course, you are. Of course, you <laughs> yeah. are. Uh, uh, and I'm going to hit you back with uh, Bob Last from Fast. Okay, well, how many have we done? I think we've got one left each. Okay, um, I will go with well, the, the, everyone involved in the Roxy. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, the guy with a funny surname. The Polish. <laughs> and we've got no, we haven't got a lot of time, so say the yeah, last one, and we'll play out. I'm, I'm going to go with Jill Abarfa. Oh, fair enough, mate. Well, I'm not. That's a brilliant way to end it. So, listen, we're going to play out with Rough Trade by Stiff Little Fingers, which was released on Rough Trade, one of the first, obviously, indie labels. It was the first album that Rough Trade put out in 1979. It was also the first independent album, I think, to sell over 100,000 copies. So, let's play out on Rough Trade by Stiff Little Fingers. Have a great Christmas. Great New Year. See you in January. Yeah, see you in the new year, everybody.